Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Footy Brains podcast. It is our final podcast for the year and our, I guess, season review. And I'm joined by Josh again, mate. What a season it's been. How have you been doing? Yeah, mate, it's good to be back. Um, Yeah, big season. Big season for us. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, I guess uh, good to be back recording as well. It's been a been a long couple of weeks. Didn't actually cover the last couple of rounds because, yeah, you've gotten married. <laughs> I guess that's a pretty valid excuse. Um, yeah, probably fair. But unfortunately, as this podcast will reveal, fantasy football doesn't care if you're in a wedding, you know, in marriage. Like, it's ruthless. If you don't check your team, um, fantasy football doesn't give you any, any relief. <laughs> Yeah, but you can't use that as an excuse, though, for why oh, I beat definitely you in will. the last round. <laughs> How dare you bring that up as an excuse? <laughs> so, for listeners, if you don't know yet or already, um, there's no asterisks against this season, not at all, mate. I pipped Josh right at the finishing post, right in the last round, took over him for the first time all season um, in the overall rankings. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to hold that against you for the for the foreseeable future, that's for sure. Yeah, I guess the tortoise gets the hair in the end, doesn't he? Um, Absolutely. But congrats, mate. Kill you by you, of course. And you won the draft league, which I was even more salty about. So you've got definite <laughs> bragging rights for uh, for this year, unfortunately. Yeah, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna happily sit on that pedestal uh, for sure for now. Um, I know the NFL season's coming around, and we've got that to come up. So yeah, I, I won't uh, brag too heavily. Uh, because I'm not as good at that, to be <laughs> to be frank. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. NFL is around the corner. We can throw this in our back pocket for a little bit and then uh, regroup for well, some stuff over the off-season and then, yeah, come February, March, um, lock back into NRL. Yeah, straight back into the content, that's for sure. Might do a few, I guess, post-season pods just to, or pre-season pods just to cover what's been happening over the next couple of months uh, in the NRL world, but um, we'll be pretty quiet from us uh, you know, until the season starts again next year. But enough about talking about next season. Let's talk about the season that has just been in 2023. Let's have a look at our teams, shall we? Uh, so for yourself, um, how did your team end up shaping up uh, for the last round or for the, you know, the back end of the year? Um, yeah, it was a bit of a weird end to the year, I guess, probably like most people. I was doing pretty well until round 27 hit and the, the team lists and all the restings, which really kind of cooked me here. Um, I think my last round I got, gee, I don't even think I hit double digits for, for players this week or this last week here with Chris Randall and Ellie Gator and some kind of random guys I traded in towards the end. Um, missing, so... Uh, finished 753 overall. Not a bad, not a bad season. And it's funny looking at the graph of I was kind of just hovering inside that top 1,000 for the whole year, which is kind of cool. But um, yeah, what could have been? Hey, some extra players for that last round. Yeah, I think if you had a few extra trades for that last round, you might have jumped like a significant margin as well. Because I had 15 for the last round, and I halved my my rank in that one round. Um, which is crazy. So, like, for, for yourself, who was already sitting in the top 600, say you had 13, 14, you know, 15 players, you probably would have jumped into the top, you know, 300, 200, maybe 300 range, I reckon, which would have been pretty significant. So, it goes to show that all these buys and rest, like, players getting rested before finals, you know, actually provides, you know, a bit of growth for, for teams if you do hold on to trades towards the back end of the year because people do fall off a little bit. 
Yeah, I will say, I thought this season, like, as a whole, was way more interesting with the buys and the strategy around that. Um, just add an extra element. It was kind of tricky to navigate some weeks, even those, um, obviously, those three big buy weeks, but then the um, those post-origin buys as well were, were quite tricky at some points, trying to maximize your team. Yeah, I ended up dropping drink water and picking him up um, all in two weeks, so... I don't know if that was helpful, but then again, I did jump a bit. So I think maybe a lot of people just jumped off Drinkwater and stayed off him in the end. So there was a few changes there that, that helped, uh, I think. My graph does not look as pretty as yours. I did not hover in the top 1,000 for most of the year. I was well outside the top 4,000 until post-Origin. And then I've just been climbing. Basically, over the Origin period, I climbed from, uh, I think, outside the top 10,000 to inside the top 1,000 by the end of the season. So... Um, finishing at what 653, I think was my final rank. Oh, overall rank 675. There you go. So, um, yeah, got up there in the end, but definitely was a bit of a slog to get up there um, by the end of the season. No, done well. Redemption story. How good? Absolutely. Looking at some of your trades, Josh. Uh, I know you can. If you want to check out your trades as well, by the way, guys, uh, head to footystatistics.com. It'll let you. Um, have a look at your team and break down basically all the trades you made throughout the year. You can kind of look through and see where you've made a mistake and um, maybe where you've done well and improved. But yeah, having a look at that, uh, how did you go? Yeah, this is um, some bleak viewing for me personally. Um, kind of hard to it's like what was going through your head when you did that, Josh. But it's um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny just watching yeah players come in and out. And um, the what could have beens? Yeah, I know. Looking at mine, I my first four trades weren't bad. The biggest mistake I made was in round three. I traded traded in Reed Marnie. What an absolute travesty that was! That would have set me back because then I in like two rounds later I traded him out for Harry Grant and I had to cut Pat Carrigan to get Grant in at that stage. So looking at that. If I had not traded in Marnie and gone to Grant instead and then held Carrigan, geez, my season could have been a lot different in the end. <laughs> Having Carrigan throughout the year this season actually made a lot of sense. He played pretty much every game, was only out for Origin and provided some very, very good scores. Even when he moved to, the, to an edge towards the back end of the year, he was scoring, if not better, from an edge. Yeah, and maybe that's a lesson we take into the next season. Like, that was so weird that so many people jumped off Carrigan, I guess. We had a few other good buys coming through, but yeah, that was a, that was, that would have been a really handy hold for especially, um, or at least for another, like, he was a pretty good, yeah, all year hold, as you were saying, so. Yeah. Yeah. What could have been? <laughs> I'm looking at mine as well when I traded out Jermaine Hopgood in round seven. It's like, why did I do that when I just yep. traded him back in in like a couple of weeks? Yeah. Um, right there with you. That's for sure. Yeah. I guess it did. Like when you look at it, it does like trading out these guns did facilitate a lot of trades. Like I traded out Hopgood to trade in Hines. I traded out, uh, Whereas Pat Carrigan to also get in Jackson Ford and Zach Hosking at the time as well. So, you know, you did cut some of these guns that you probably could have held, but you did get in a lot of cashies at that time that were rising. So when you think about it, you kind of did help your team in the long run to bring in some of those um, cash cows because then it kind of facilitated you getting better players in, in the future as well because that extra, you know, 300, 400K from Hosking at the time 
um, definitely helps you get in, you know, another Kashi over the origin period, like a Nikarima or a Oluwapu who didn't do too bad over the origin period. But, you know, he keeps generating you that cash to keep bringing in guns towards the back end. Because I don't know about you, but my team, for the last five, six rounds, I had pretty much guns that were scoring 50-plus um, from 1 to 17. Yeah, pretty much the same. Um, by the end there, I my 17 spot was always a little bit shaky, which I kind of designed that way so I could loop. But, um, yeah, what could have been, hey? Why did yeah. I trade out David Fafita to get Zach Hosking? Was it the right choice? <laughs> Maybe. But David Fafita would have been nice to have for most of the year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he went on a scoring spree after you traded him out as well, like leading up to Origin. He was scoring like 70s every week from what I remember. So yeah, good and time to trade him out. Good time to trade him out. And I do want to highlight the biggest mistake that I made in round 16 when... I was trading out Reese Robson and was flipping a coin between Ronaldo Mulatalo and uh, Scott Drinkwater and <laughs> chose the wrong way. Probably cost me hundreds of points with uh, Mulatalo and some of his uh, like tens and fifteens while Drinky was getting hundreds. Yeah, yeah, that's that's unforgivable for mine. <laughs> that's a shocker. That is an absolute shocker. Uh, Mulatalo. Yeah, uh, to be fair to you, Sharks did have a good run of games, but Mulatala did not do well at all, unfortunately, or went Sioni Katawa's way. Uh, Righto, but, let's move on to... Well, give us, actually, before we, we should do one, what was your favourite trade that you made throughout the whole whole season? Ooh, that is a hard one. There's so many, like, nice trades um, throughout the year. I think my favourite one was going Lockie Miller to Kalen Ponga. That was the one that really, really helped. And that was on round 13. So, yeah, getting Ponger in for that and then holding him through to the end of the season, picked him up at his bargain basement price. That was my favorite for sure this season. What about yourself? That's a good one. My favorite, um, when I went Adam Dewey to Nico Hines in round four. And Nico Hines scored that ton. Off, yeah. uh, off the back of it, that was pretty elite. <laughs> yeah, that was like the first round he was back as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. And then since that, like, it's funny when you look at my thing, round four, I think I actually, well, I hit my, just about my highest for the whole season. <laughs> but then after that, I just kind of like stayed coast, like just making that one big risk move, which is kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, I think I picked up Hines like three rounds later when he was... I, not not more expensive, but definitely not as cheap as I wanted to pick him up at. Like I was hoping, I think everyone was kind of death riding Hines for the first couple of rounds because they wanted him to drop un, to under a mil so they could actually pick him up. But yeah, he did not drop very far at all. Righto, should we move on to the awards? Let's do it. Righto. So thanks to everyone that voted through the Instagram page. We've got some really good numbers. I think we had nearly 100 people vote, which is pretty excellent to see. Um Basically, we're going to go through our fan team of the year or fan team of the season uh, through each position and then have a look at some of the other categories that uh, that people voted for, like, you know, most reliable over the buys, their favorite player of the year, even like players like your biggest flop, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we'll get to those for sure. Um, but starting with our team of the season, we'll start at hooker. And I think it was pretty pretty clear who our hooker of the year is in Harry Grant. Had an absolute gun of a season. Um, probably didn't hit his heights that he's use, usually scoring at. Like, 
I think the first couple of rounds he was scoring, you know, 60, 70s, he was really hyped. But after the first five, six rounds, he kind of, you know, middled out, probably averaging around the mid-50s. So definitely not the best season for Grant, but definitely the top hooker of the year, that's for sure. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird season for Harry Grant. Like, um, I guess Origin, some injuries and disruptions and stuff. But, um, yeah, he was never in my team at any point during the year, which is kind of weird. And probably a mistake by me, honestly. I should have just put him in at the start and um, kind of set and forget. But, yeah, I thought at points having, like, Hook, having Hook, I mean, Cook um, or Robson was kind of comparable to having a Grant. Didn't feel like you were losing out too much, but is a weapon and yeah, clear number one this year, I think. Yeah, absolutely. There really wasn't like, there was competition obviously like from cook here and there. And dare I say, Boyd did have a good stint in the middle there as well. Oh um, yeah. But yeah, th- season long grant was the, the clear number one option, even with origin around. He just, yeah, he backed up even afterwards. So yeah, grant for sure. Moving on to the middles. I guess we'll go through three middles that um, were the top three voted for. And we can say why, I guess, they were the top three. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Uh, Corey Horsburgh was one of them. Absolute gun. Pretty much carried most people's teams towards the middle and back end of the year um, once he got that starting lock spot, which we predicted from the start of the season. He didn't start there, but um, we did say at some point throughout the year he was going to get that spot and be averaging mid mid to high 50s as well. So, yeah, Corey Horsburgh, absolute gun. Did you? I know I didn't pick him up because I'm an absolute fool. But um, for yourself, you you <laughs> reveled in having him in your team. That's for sure. Yeah, it was it was a nice one to jump on um, at the time. It's just this is funny, mate. We've we're like pumping our brakes up. We're like, oh yeah, made that call, and then like, oh, we didn't bring him in. We're just like, just a funny show to we're beating each other up, but um, <laughs> also pointing out the stuff we did right, but um. I guess that's the way it goes, but Corey Horsburgh, yeah, he was he was sick. Deserved to be in the top three. Yeah, absolutely. We can kind of go with the other two hand in hand as well. And the other two mids were um Haas and Hopgood, which most people probably had for most of the season. I know I didn't have Haas until later on in the year, and even then I ended up dropping him as well. So I don't know what was going through my mind when I did that. But um yeah, Haas and Hopgood two of the probably best mids this season for sure. I think points overall, they definitely scored the highest. Yeah, no real surprise there, especially Hopgood with the amount of cash he made. And then he was, yeah, he was unreal this season. Shoulders. Yeah. Maybe Absolutely. one of the all-time great fantasy seasons by like a rookie as well. I can't remember having anyone do it better. Yeah, like come in, play big minutes, make plenty of tackles, and even a few try assists through the middle as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, gun yes, of a player. To be fair, Payne Haas's rookie season was also pretty elite. Yeah. <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> but I think he's going to be up there for the, for the foreseeable future Haas as well. He's going to probably be the best mid in the comp for you know the next at least three to four years. Still pretty young. Exactly, yeah. Signed the big deal with the Broncos as well, so more of the yeah. same, you'd think. Pretty much. Uh, moving on to the edges. Um, pretty interesting. A couple of these edges uh, were like interesting in terms of scores. Were pretty close. Um, honorable mention to Zach Hosking for his stint in the middle of the year. Absolutely tremendous having him. I think he climbed like 300k in four weeks. Like it was so quick the way he rose. Um, absolutely incredible having him. If you if you got him in at the right time, that is. If you got on him late, geez, you were struggling. Most people bought him in at like the 
400k mark. I think it was like high 400k's after his first week, but yeah, he just accelerated after that first round. Um, another honorable mention to Johnny Bateman. Picked him up at the right time, right before he scored that 90. Um, but yeah, he was very close. And even Bryce Cartwright as well. Um, had a few, I guess a few weeks where he was viable and you could have him in, but as soon as like Maddo came back into the team, even like Davey and Lane in and out of the squad, it was kind of hard to get him 80 minutes on an edge there. But most weeks that he played 80 when he was starting there, he was absolutely awesome. And it was kind of good to see him back on the field considering we haven't seen him in that good a form since he played for Penrith. Yeah, here's one in hindsight I wish I'd have held on to that I think a lot of people started with and then trade him when they thought he's kind of price peaked, but he just kept, yeah, kept up there, was consistent. He was unreal. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, the actual edges, though, that were selected were Preston and Fafita, which I don't think we can argue with. Um, not a lot of people started with Preston, but like yourself, I think a few people did start with Fafita. Um, but yeah, absolute guns in that position. And Preston, I think most people hold him for pretty much the whole year until maybe after Origin, and then that was the time to kind of upgrade him on to a Fafita or a, a Bateman, Nakora-type player, pretty much. Yeah, I agree with that. And another one of the all-time great rookie seasons as far as like cash gen and it's always good when you get these guys that are cash gen but then they're good enough to just stay in your team for the whole year anyway so um yeah great seasons yeah the fifth he was out we called him at the start as well he'd be top top edge come the end of the year he kind of dropped off a little bit last year to a you know he's probably outside the top five but yeah big bounce back and he was elite yeah yeah good to see Righto, let's move on to the halves now. Interesting selections. Uh, because this was your like pe- player's favorite halves, it wasn't necessarily the best halves. But I guess I, you, you'd pretty much know who got the best half in the, in the game. Uh, Sean Johnson was everyone's favorite half. And Sean Johnson. Followed yeah. up by surprisingly equal Cleary and Hines behind him so Hines and Cleary both got the same amount of votes in second so I guess they both get the honorable mention as as second place but I think by the end of the season everyone had Hines Cleary Johnson in their team like if you didn't have Hines Cleary Johnson you probably weren't sitting in the top thousand that's for sure yeah that and that's probably been a little bit of a change this season usually well I guess in previous years maybe you try and get a second or third hooker in your team and kind of bolster that position but this year, definitely the halves were the were a good ones to kind of like load up on because there were so many top scorers in the halves. Um, but I think yeah, Sean Johnson was so fun to have. Not just I don't know because he was hitting good super coach points, but he was so fun to watch. I feel like during games, and he was I don't know, just always doing something. Yeah, that's another one I rue not trading in at the right time. Um, in round four. I could have traded out Sutton for Johnson, but instead I traded Sutton to Jackson Ford and ended up buying Sean Johnson when he was at like 700K. So yeah, that uh, that hurt me for most of the season as well when he becomes like the best, or well, one of the highest scoring players overall um, this year, which yeah, sucks if you didn't have him early on. Moving on to the centers now. Uh, I'm pretty sure you could probably guess 
your top two centers, but some honorable mentions and players that didn't actually make the cut uh, that were pretty good throughout the season. Matt Timicor early on in the year when he was scoring pretty big and surprised a lot of people. Like he was averaging in the sixties for five rounds at the start of the year there. Um, dropped back a bit towards the back end, but was still pretty, pretty dynamic and is still pretty like big attacking threat most of the time when you watch the Raiders games. Um, Herbie Farnworth also didn't make the cut and Jack Bird as well, probably because of his injury, he didn't make the cut. And Dane Gagai as well actually didn't make top center either. But uh, the two that did make the center spots was Connolly Lemuelu and Joey Martin. So congrats to them. My boy, he made it in. I'm happy. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure if I'm convinced that he is uh, one of the best centers, but um, look, we'll, we'll go with it for now. And probably an honourable mention as well to Paul Alamotti. He was so good for the first, like, 10 or so weeks, I feel like, for folks. Then he kind of dropped off but made heaps of money and was decently consistent for those opening 10 or so. Um, But, yeah, I think deservedly so to Lemuelu and Manu. Manu especially when he played those games at fullback or 5-8. He was unreal for those games. And Lemuelu, like, he... If he keeps this dual center and edge uh, DPP, I think it'll be pretty hard to pass up come next year as well. He was just consistent, lock him in, always hitting yeah. like 40s if he gets a try in the 60s potentially. Yeah, I've got a feeling he's probably not going to have that center center position next year just because the same thing happened to you and Aitken, right? Like he played back row for the Warriors when he did have that center position and then the next year he moved to the Dolphins and all of a sudden he's an edge even though he's playing yeah. in the centers for the Dolphins so probably going to lose it but you know there's there's always a chance that uh that he gets it back if he plays a couple of games in the centers like Aitken did again this year as well that's true yeah actually fingers crossed that Aitken moves back to the centers uh, moves back to the back row for the Dolphins because then we get a pretty he's actually not that cheap but like you know high 400s low 500k player that'll be averaging in your 50s and your centers that's an easy easy lock-in for round one in next well, 2024 that's a good shout as well so nice having those dual edge centers yeah yeah absolutely okay moving on to the fullback position now there wasn't a clear third for this position which really surprised me but there was a definite one and two and Ponga and Drinkwater took your favorite two fullbacks for sure Ponga by some margin as well. Um, but I guess equal third was Charles Nickel Clockstar and Latrell Mitchell. Now, if I had to choose between those two, I'd probably go CNK just because Mitchell missed half the year. Yeah, I had Mitchell as one of my three, I think, when I voted. He was just, he was so elite for those pre origin weeks when he was. I was having a look through back then, and he was just like getting 70s and 80s for fun for those opening few. But, um, yeah, CNK probably deserves it, to be fair. He's just never in my team. <laughs> he's he's yeah. so consistent. Um, yeah, he was good. Yeah, it's surprising looking at it because, like, no one voted for, like, Marzu, Asako, even yeah, Hammer over the first it. couple of rounds. Crazy. Like, was, like, yeah. Yeah. Especially Asako. I think he got the most points this season, right? He ended up with the most points in the regular season, so... Yeah, get around to Sarko. And you wouldn't have predicted that considering the last three seasons he's had. He started off well, and then he's kind of been in and out of that uh, that Broncos team. And even when he moved to the Dolphins, you weren't expecting him to come out and be an absolute gun, but he's 
actually been rock solid this whole season. He's been very good, yeah. Um, and even those games where the Dolphins struggled, he still pumped out pretty solid scores. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Righto, let's move on to the, uh, I guess, voted by you awards. So the most reliable by player. So those players between rounds 13 and 19 over the origin period that were ever reliable for most people, played most of the games and scored your big points. Uh, coming in third, Sean Johnson, pretty, pretty safe option there. He was playing pretty much every game and played two of the, two of the three by rounds as well. Scotty Drinkwater, same with Sean Johnson, reliable over those rounds, played two of the three for the Cows. And that was just at the point in time when the Cowboys were bouncing back and, you know, not smashing teams, but Scotty Drink was basically in everything that the Cowboys were doing in attack and he was getting plenty of tries and try assists at that point, bouncing back from when he, he did kind of have that bit of a slump right before Origin where he was, wasn't scoring so well and a lot of people were jumping off him. So if you picked him up in that point in time, he, yeah, he bounced back for you in a big way. And the most reliable player of the buy rounds was Hopgood, which I think we probably could have guessed considering Parramatta played all three of the, the major buys and had, I think, two buys over that period in the regular games, but you got all your origin players back, so it wasn't too big of a hit. So, yeah, pretty safe there. Pretty safe, yeah. That's um pretty good summary there, mate. I think, yeah, Sean Johnson is a pretty close second, I think, for mine, given that probably most people captained him for 13 and 19. I'm not sure how many people captained... Hopgood over those weeks, but he was obviously pretty good, even if you captained him. So, no, that's that's pretty pretty accurate, I'd say, mate. Um, moving on to the players that uh, play and oh, sorry, players that fantasy coaches didn't let go over the whole season. So basically, picked <laughs> them up round one, and they have stuck in your team till that final round. So at third, which is my player that I held from the only player that I held from round one through the end of the year. Uh, is Joe Tarpany? Did you have big, big, uh, big Joe on your team? Uh, I did at a point, but I I traded him in. I didn't have him from the start. Uh, okay, yeah. So Tarpany, he was he's a player that stuck in my team, and by the looks of the vote, stuck in a lot of pe- pe- uh, players' teams. Um, probably because, like, I guess the back end of the year, he was playing big minutes. There wasn't really any competition other than Papali'i in the team at that point in time, especially with Horsburgh playing lock. Um, and even Karawira Naira um, playing lock at that point in time. So he still had plenty of minutes through the middle, but it, he got bit like pretty managed this year. Like I don't think he played over 65, 70 minutes often this season. Yeah, he had a funny old year, but um, no, I thought he was pretty good, mate. Like I think I was kind of hoping he'd uh, finish the year really like he did last year and come with some massive scores, which... Probably didn't quite happen, but he was pretty solid and consistent along the stretch there. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And coming in at second was Payne Haas. Pretty, pretty safe option. I think even though he played Origin, he backed up from Origin, I think pretty much every time and was pretty much the best mid in the game for most of the year. So yeah, safe, safe hold in Haas. And Jermaine Hopgood was the number one player that people didn't let go. Wish I could say the same, but I was same here. naive and dropped him only to pick him up again two rounds later. So, yeah. Well done to those that did hold on. Yeah. 
I yeah, pretty much the same. He was out of my team a little bit more. I was a little bit more stubborn than you, I guess. I waited six rounds, but he was back in pretty quickly. Um, I kind of approached this question a little bit differently. I thought of folks who had just been stuck in my team for ages that I was stuck with just throughout the year, and I just remember having Jacob host for way too many weeks <laughs> and being really annoyed by that. Um, so he was well, my on. vote. One second. Let's move on to the players that we regretted trading in the most then this year. So, Oh, that's a good segue. Coming in at third for this category, uh, we have Jack Bird, which is surprising, that's but understandable. Considering I think a lot of the comments that I saw were people that picked him up only to drop him and then picked him up again, thinking he's back in the team only for him to, to be injured again and drop out. So yeah, Jack Bird, what a rough one to be holding on to this season. Yeah, I was a little bit annoyed because I avoided him and avoided him, traded him in round nine, and then by 14 it was... Um, and I think I probably held him for two weeks as well when I probably should have sold him. I gave him an extra couple of weeks. Like, he only had really two weeks in my team and was out, so I can understand had, people getting burned by him. He had all of one week in my team. I picked him up for round 13, and I dropped him again in round 14. <laughs> which uh yeah that uh that hurts that hurt a lot it's understandable on this list in the top three for sure yeah moving on to number two uh reed marnie pretty fair <laughs> i know i picked him up and i regretted bringing him in that's for sure um and i think i think it was kind of he kind of suckered you in right like first round or two he was making plenty of tackles not missing a lot of tackles and plenty of tackle bus working in the attack for the dogs and then it just fell apart. Like by round three, four, it just absolutely fell apart. He was missing six, seven tackles a game, not getting any running meters. And yeah, those uh, attacking stats just dried up in the end. Yeah, no, that's a good shout. I remember having those same th- like thoughts. I had him in a draft league and um, yeah, first couple of weeks, I was like, oh, this is great. I've gone an absolute steal here. And then he just stunk it up for the rest of the year. <laughs> it seemed like after that, <laughs> should have yeah. traded him when I had the chance. Yeah, exactly. Definitely was a if you had him in draft or whatever, definitely a trade out as soon as you see those first couple of rounds, if you were smart enough to. And number one, as we just previously mentioned, Jacob Host for the most regretful trade in this year. Boy, did we have egg on our face when we put him in our buy hold sell post and then he scored six off the bench or whatever. Um actually no, he even started and he played the first ten, fifteen minutes and then was uh was swiftly withdrawn and did not come back. Yeah, that one sucked. Because I feel like our our thought process behind it was solid. But then it just... It's like, oh, yeah, he's playing on the edge. They didn't have an edge forward on the bench, really, it seemed. It's like, oh, yeah, he's going to get you good coverage over the buy rounds. Had so many positives, and he just... It's like, oh, it's Jacob Host. Yeah. <laughs> Why do we do this? Yeah. It was... uh, Yeah, watching that game, I was in tears when it happened. Um, he came off with after 15 minutes. I think it was Jai Arrow that came onto an edge instead of in the front row after he'd been, you know, uh, working right. in the front row for most of the season, well, for the start of the season anyway, and then he just didn't come back. I just was like, what the hell is going on? And he only had two. I'm pretty sure he had a score of two before he got any updates. So luckily he got up to six. It tripled his score in the end. But uh, yeah, definitely the worst, um, well, the most regretful trade-in that I had for sure this season. This season, yeah. Right, let's move on to the next uh, next category. 
we've got the biggest flop. So basically the player that we thought was going to be an absolute gun and was just terrible this year. Coming in at third, which is pretty fair. I honestly thought he'd be first, but uh, James Tedesco did end up coming good, but definitely not as consistent as we've seen Teddy in previous years. And I think that just comes off the back of the Roosters being pretty, well, not pretty ordinary, very ordinary this year. Um, yeah, Teddy, not not great this year. Yeah, yeah, they've s- snuck into the final somehow. How have they done that? I'm not sure. Yeah. but um, Don't worry, they won't be there long. Sorry, so. Roosters fans. <laughs> but, yeah, Teddy, I guess we said at the start, like, oh, we didn't think it was going to have a good year, yada, yada. But we didn't think it was going to... We said so many times this year, like, oh, he's going to bounce back, he's going to bounce back. He, I don't know, he had a few weeks towards the end. To be fair, his last four games were pretty good, but I guess, like, after Origin, he was pretty good, but it was, like, a weird year for him and definitely a subpar for his standards. Yeah, I mean, I think we were saying to people that picked it, we told everyone at the start of the year not to pick him up from round one. Him and Latrell were both 777k to start the year, and we're like, no, don't get them yet. They'll drop in price, and then you can pick him up later. But for those at the start that did spend that money on him, all of our words were, don't worry, hold on to him, he'll come good at the end. But having to wait to round 20 for a player to come good that you've picked up in round one, yeah, that's uh, that's bad. <laughs> that's just very that's bad. Rough. Yeah. Uh, moving on to second place and surprising for me, but um, obviously very well underperformed what he should have this year was Ruben Cotter. One of those players that I didn't expect to be in this list, but when you look at it, you're like, yeah, he definitely underperformed this year and was a massive flop compared to his previous season at the Cowboys. Played similar minutes as he did last year, but he just, the scores didn't come for him at all this year. He was very mid um, to say the least, only averaged around the 40 mark. So yeah, Ruben Cotter at that number two spot in terms of flops. Yeah, that's probably pretty fair as well. One that I was lucky to avoid at the at the start, but he yeah did really fall off there. So, um, and I guess his back half of the year was yeah not not the greatest, and especially I guess over these buy periods he was pretty pretty average. But on the flip side, looking at him there, five hundred seven k. If I was making a new team tomorrow be a pretty good consideration at that price as well. So maybe you'll repay us next year. Yeah, not wrong. 200K less than where he started the year. So yeah, one to consider for next year. But you'd, you'd have to think something has to change for him, right? He's got to get more minutes or his role has to change. I mean, you can't just pick him up based on the form he showed this year. Unless you're positive the Cowboys are going to come out next year and be a top four team, I would be very hesitant to jump on him straight away. But there's definitely hope for him for next season, that's for sure. Similar to Reese Robson, I guess. He was another one that I honestly thought was going to be in this category of flops, but didn't make the top three. Um, but yeah, he's in the exact same boat as Cotter for mine. Yeah, agreed. And the biggest flop of the year, and a player that we said was a must-have to start the year, in Brandon Smith. The big cheese. <laughs> what yeah, a that's fair. shocker. Absolutely. Yeah, Barry Crocker. Yeah, he was... I reckon there were some teams that probably traded him in and out three or four times. Uh, he was he was there. You would consider doing it again and again. I think I did it twice at least. Yep. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah. 
crazy year for the cheese. What could have been? Yeah, to be fair, there was points where you looked at him and like, yeah, he's looking good. Probably pick him up, which we did. But geez, there's there's so many scores of like twenty and thirty in there. Just like tons of missed tackles, plenty of errors. Yeah, wasn't the best season by him. And he'd probably hold himself accountable for that and say, yeah, he had a bit of a shocker of a year. But um, the Roosters themselves just didn't have the have the season. I mean, they're in the eight, so still did fine. But I don't see him going much further. Maybe they're just peaking at the right time, mate. Our, they were our <laughs> premiership. Favourites. Um, yeah. Favourites, weren't they? So uh, On paper, you look at that team paper. and you're like, geez, hard to beat. But anyway. I also want some shout-outs as well, I guess. Joe O, he was dog shit <laughs> this year. Um, and then the mid-season like, swaps and everything, he dropped the most money, I think, out of any player. And yep. then also one that really stung me in a few draft leagues, Josh Curran, he fell off a cliff. I don't know what happened, but, um, well, the coach hates him. But <laughs> Pretty much. Um, he was so good the last couple of years, one of the Warriors' best players. And then, yeah, he just... Um, barely kind of got the minutes at the Warriors, so no yeah. good. You look at his, um, Curran's last two games, he played 80, scored 60 in both games. So if he can come back to next year to that starting edge spot, I could see him being a, a must-have gun for sure, but I'd be still very cautious of how Webster's using him because if he's rotating off the bench with Ford or near Corre or whatever... Yeah, you just can't risk putting him in the team because if he doesn't get 80 minutes, he doesn't look like he's going to be a, a player to, to have. Yeah, 100%. Righto, let's move to Fantasy's favourite player for the year. And we'll start in that third position. And we have Jermaine Hopgood. Pretty fair. Pretty good player this year. Started cheap, absolute gun, playing close to, you know, between 60 and 80 minutes at lock getting your 60s pretty much every week. Can't say no to having Hopgood in your team. 100%. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Righto, we've said enough about Hopgood. Moving on to number two. Hasn't appeared <laughs> in this list yet, but uh, a lot of people's favourite, Corey Horsburgh, Big Red, in at number two. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fair. He was unreal uh, score-wise. And, yeah, he went up a heap of points. Oh, when I be with cash, sorry, and just solid. Yeah, I didn't follow my own advice at the start of the year when it came to Big Red, and I did not pick him up. And geez, I've ruined that decision the last 12 rounds. Uh, yeah, I probably should have traded out Tarpany to get Corey Horsburgh in around the origin period, but yeah, just held on to Tarpany and definitely wasn't a good decision in the long run. And the number one favorite player for NRL Fantasy of 2023 is the man himself, Sean Johnson. Big raps for, for Sean Johnson. Everyone loves a bit of SJ. And, yeah, it goes to show that, like, he's been, what, this is his, like, ninth, tenth year in NRL, maybe even more, and he's just an absolute superstar still. Yeah, fans love a bit of SJ. Hard to pass him up at the top of the list. I think he was who I voted for, so, yeah, he's... It's either Sean Johnson or Connolly Lamuelu, one of those two. So, uh, yeah, love a bit of SJ. Awesome. Congrats to all of our award winners. Uh, did a great, had a great season. A lot of them I didn't have, but that's fine. We'll move on. Uh, let's move on to our league winners. So, Josh, take it away for the Champions League and our overall league. 
Okay, well, first, we should give a shout-out to Fraser, who finished first in the overall league. Six overall as well. Pretty uh, pretty handy season from Fraser. Maybe he should be running this podcast instead of us, mate. Uh, six overall is pretty good. Then you got uh, Joel as well, who is actually... I've been in a few leagues with Joel. He was um, runner-up in the Champions League, first division as well. Finished 14th overall, which was uh, unreal Jeez. for Joel. That's, yeah, very handy from him. And it was funny, like, messaging him at various points throughout the season, but, yeah, he was unreal. <sighs> Lastly, to Michael Roby, finished second in ACT, friend of the friend of the show, finished overall 83, very solid season. By the GOAT, uh, Michael Roby, very handy there. And um, I guess now, mate, we'll move on. The most important stuff, the Champions League. I took away first in uh, in the first division. Joel, I was saying he got second. And then the Bacon Lords, they they came in third for, for the Champions League. It was a really good season. Um, for all those who are involved, it's good fun getting to know a few extra of the folks in the listen to the league through kind of the group chat and stuff and I think it was just fun like pretty solid turnout pretty competitive league although we do have to say goodbye to Dom who he was essentially the bye weekend the comp made he got two points for the for the <laughs> whole season um, got one win there so he's he was the first one to get relegated Aiden Moss the coach of Tongan Thors uh, finished second last, so they're going down to second division next year. And and lastly, the friend of the show, Jacinta, she um, was the third third person to get relegated. After a solid season, she was kind of unlucky. To be fair, had a decent amount of wins and probably was uh, three four points away from from hanging on. But she she's out and down to down to league two. So. Um, how about you, mate? You're in League Two. Why don't you you give us the the awards from this one? Uh, do you have them? Because I do not have them. Oh, wait, you don't have them. <laughs> oh, I'll just chuck you on the spot there, mate. No worries. I'll I'll go through it. So, congrats to to Luke Camelruda FC, friend of the show. He um probably only won because I was feeding him advice from from Messenger and stuff throughout the years. <laughs> but um, well done to him. He yeah. A very solid season, it seems, in the second division. Then also moving up, who um, who came second was Sam Nicholson, who I feel like we're always chatting to him in the in the DMs and stuff as well. He's he's a good guy, so congrats to him. He's moving up to the first division, the big league, which unfortunately you couldn't do, Daniel, but, you know, next year, of course. But the last uh, person who got promoted as well, another Sam, Sam... Nactagale, I want to say, um, also been moving up into the the front division. So, um, I guess yeah, really enjoyable season. Thanks for giving it a go. Hopefully, we can you know double or even triple the size of the the league. We kind of threw it together last minute, so we'll probably kind of pump it up through the off season and yeah, see if we can get some more more folks and a few more divisions. It's fun. Yeah, I'm definitely stuck still in League 2, unfortunately. Um, Luke absolutely dominated our league, by the way. I don't think he scored under 600 at all throughout the whole season. So, yeah, he absolutely pumped me. And, of course, I had to come up against him in the first round of the finals. Hence why I'm nowhere close. <laughs> what can you do, eh? 
Yeah. Do you have some shout outs as well? We got some some people to thank for for their support this year as well. I guess I'll just say a big thanks to the the Patreon folks who who got around us. Um, I'm not sure if that's something we'll continue over the off season. We're going to try and get some sponsors and kind of grow that way. I think, um, but obviously open to any ideas if people have thoughts or want to chuck us a review, subscribe, everything like that in the off season. That's much appreciated. But I guess I kind of did my shout outs early, mate, just saying some of our overall leaders. So if you've got any here as well. Yeah, just everyone that's been supporting us through the Instagram, you know, every every like and every comment, everything you do, um, really appreciate it. Uh, every time you, you know, share the share the podcast with someone else, it really helps us um, improve and get better. So yeah, just keep on doing that. And definitely thanks to everyone that followed us on Patreon. We'll hopefully add some more content to that next year, but yeah, we'll see how we go with sponsorships and whatnot so we don't have to lean on that too much. But yeah, thanks everyone for, for listening and hopefully we have a bigger and better 2024. Yeah, man, I think that's a pretty good pretty good note to leave it on. But um, yeah, cheers again and um, we'll see you next year.